wasn't till I let that go and allowed myself to just enjoy it and to go for it and to have a little bit of backbone and say, this is what I want and this is what I want to do and this is my goal, that everything kind of fell together and it did become more than the running. And I think there's something to be said for just uh, following your bliss, so to speak, sometimes. Hello, podcast world. Welcome to episode five of Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. We took the show on the road again this week and headed out to Seattle, where I was honored to have the opportunity to sit down with Casey Kilareski, a stay-at-home mom to two beautiful girls, Ella Kate, age eight, and Julie, age three. And Casey recently scorched a 2.43 at CIM in only her second marathon to punch her ticket to Atlanta. Wow. After the birth of Julie, she battled mild postpartum depression and felt selfish about needing so much time to train and be away from her girls. We covered how she learned to create routines that work for them and give herself grace, which empowered her as a mom and as a runner. We explored the role her first coach, Brian Clevenger, played as an advocate, role model, and father figure, and how her current coach, Brendan O'Leary, and Casey have great communication and are meshing so well together today. We chatted about how she's learned to stop looking for magic parenting moments and finding your light that makes you shine. I'm pretty sure Casey has found her light. And by the way, if anybody out there is looking for a coach, why not work with one who's an Olympic trials qualifier? Give her a shout. It was so much fun getting to know her better as a mom, runner, coach, and Team O'Leary racing teammate. Casey was nervous about coming on. I'm eternally grateful she stepped out of her comfort zone to sit down with me and share her amazing story. No doubt it will resonate and inspire running moms and dads everywhere. Casey's an absolute rock star, someone I'm super proud to call friend, and so excited to follow her running journey to the trials and beyond. I hope you all enjoy this conversation as much as we did. So let's dive right in and take a listen. Good morning, Casey. Welcome to Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. How you doing today? I'm doing well. How about you? Uh, I'm so excited to have my first Olympic trials qualifier on the show. For everybody listening, Casey threw down a 2.43 at CIM and punched her ticket to Atlanta and absolutely crushed it. So I'm so stoked to have her sitting here with me. We're on the road this week. We're out in Seattle. It's a little cold and chilly. We got that rainy, snowy weather coming, and we got seagulls flapping around right off the deck of this room. So if you hear some bird noises in the background, you just know what's going on. We'll do the best we can with this audio. Thanks for having me on, Ron. I'm super grateful to be here and honored to meet you for sure. Yeah. Well, listen, the honor is mine for sure. And uh, generally, where we usually start off with the pod is just for people that maybe haven't followed you to this point, really don't understand your running journey or maybe what's gone on, like tell the listeners a little about when you got your start with running, what age did you get into the sport, and uh, how did you get, how'd you get involved? 
Yeah. So I ran in middle school. I actually tried out for the basketball team uh, and they cut me and the coach told me that um, I needed to go try out for the track team because <laughs> I had no skills. Um, so yeah, I, I ran in middle school and had a really great coach, um, Brian Clevenger. And yeah, I guess that's where um, everything really started. And then I ran in through high school and was recruited by Charleston Southern University. I ran there for a semester and um, uh, I had a boyfriend that was at the University of South Carolina and really wanted to be there with him. So I ended up transferring to, to USC and um, Brian Clevenger again got me on the team at USC, talked with some people and I guess the rest is history. Yeah. I love the background. So Brian Clevenger was your first real coach that you had experience with running. Was he, uh, was he a big proponent of your running, big believer in you, had a, had a strong influence on you? Absolutely. Um, yeah, so I didn't have a very strong relationship with my own father. So uh, Coach Clevenger was definitely, um, he, he filled those shoes quite well. And I remember even if like I had a hard day, I could go to his classroom. And um, yeah, so he was definitely much more than a running coach and just supported me you know, mentally, emotionally, um, and academically. So yeah, a very important role model in my life. And, um, I think he's really why I'm still running right now. Um, I think about him a lot and I haven't talked to him in a while. So yeah. Oh, wow. So that's, that's a lot to unpack. I mean, that's, Hey, that's great. Um, for those of us that are lucky to have two great parents at home that are in our corner and super supportive, you know, that's just the ideal experience. But in pretty much most of the people listening to this show, that's just not the real case at all. I mean, so many people are divorced. Um, maybe they have an amazing mom or an amazing dad, or maybe they don't have an amazing either. Um, so maybe they've got an older brother or an older sister they look up to. So that's really cool that you, um, you know, kind of forged that connection with him. And he filled that, you know, more or less fatherly role, supportive role. And I think, you need to hook up with him and talk to him and let him know what's going on with your with your breakthrough at CIM. I'm sure he'd be incredibly proud. Yeah, I was actually just talking with my mom about that, and we were trying to figure out where he was and if we could find a way to to reach out to him. So if you're listening, Ryan Clevenger, I would love to speak with you. All right. Well, what we're going to do in the show notes, which we always do, my awesome producer, Dave, we're going to do a little homework. We're going to find him. Uh, we're going to figure out where he is, and we're going to reach out to him and, and make sure that he knows you know, what went down and, you know, Hopefully he'll get a chance to listen to this episode and hear those kind words you just said about him and the uh, the impact he had on you. That would be amazing. Cool. So for everybody listening at home, I think um, I've got a real soft spot for for badass moms. I was raised by uh, an amazing mom. Uh, my dad was with us as well, but he just wasn't wasn't there in that day to day role like many dads can be and, and have an enormous impact on their uh, children's development. So it was really all my mom raising three wild Indians a year and a half apart. So any strong women I've come across in my life that are doing some amazing stuff, I just always have uh, a special spot for them, a warm spot for them. And I, and I feel a connection because I kind of see the, the qualities that my mom embodied in those people. And so when I heard a little bit about, you know, what you were doing and, you know, we run for the same team, O'Leary Racing Team, and you're coached by Coach Brendan O'Leary. We'll, uh, we'll tag that in the show notes as well. And uh, Brendan's an awesome guy. And at some point, we'll have to get Brendan on the show as well. But Brendan coaches you. And also, you are coaching for Brendan as well because the growth of his uh, program with athletes and the success he's having has expanded. And so you've recently took on that role as coach. Now, how's, how's that been going for you? 
You know, it's been going really well. Um, Brendan's done a great job of taking me under his wing, and he's been a great mentor. Um, and I feel like um, I'm definitely growing in confidence, um, just uh, working with like a wide range of athletes of different differing abilities. Um, so yeah, and I really love um, forging relationships. That's been I guess uh, it's kind of revived my running a bit. I think that I went through sort of a lull where um, I didn't like the fact that I was running just for myself or just for a number. Um, so bringing in the coach coaching role has, I think, been really good for, I guess, my spirit, so to speak. Um, so yeah, I feel like it's going it's going well. It's a very different feeling, right? And, you know, focusing on your own running and your own goals, you know, that takes up like one part of your life in one big space. But, you know, being in charge of someone else's success and, you know, writing on a plan for them and, and, you know, really jumping on board, you know, you're kind of in that boat with them. And if they follow the program or they don't follow the program, you know, you're part of that, that experience, right? So if they're listening and they're, they're taking their easy days easy and they're doing the hard days hard and they're doing the recovery things, you know, you have a good chance for success. And then of course, sometimes we get those athletes who don't follow the script, but uh, how does it feel different as a coach versus being the runner and being coach? How does it feel different to you? I guess, are you asking, um, how do I feel differently about my own running now that I'm coaching? Is that? No, I mean, when you run a great time for yourself, right? You have a feeling that you have when you come across that line. Did the day go according to plan? Did you exceed expectations? Whatever that might be, but that's, that's for you. Um, that's your day, that's your win. And, and you, of course, would share that with your family and, and with your coach. But, you know, when one of your athletes is doing something and achieves something, I'm just saying, like, what's the difference in that feeling versus for you personally when you're when you're tackling some of your own running goals? You know, it's funny because I think it feels the same. I get just as nervous when I have an athlete that's um, towing the line. And I know that I know what they're feeling. I know um, the anxieties and the nervousness that comes up. And I know how hard they worked. And I've been there. So, I think it's the same. I feel I feel just excited for them to excel as I do when you know I, that I did at CIM because um, it's all the same. We we all go through those same experiences. So um, yeah, yeah. I love it. Um, I think that that tells you a lot about what kind of coach you would be too, because you're invested. You know, you're in, you're part of that process with them, and you really care. And if you care, that's going to come across to the athletes that you're working with. And that's going to help you get more referrals and get other people that you'd have a chance to mentor and work with. And, and obviously, you're doing some amazing stuff because for everybody listening at home, her first marathon was a 247. I run for Central Park Track Club back home in New York City, which is one of the most elite running clubs, not only in the Northeast, but I would dare even say in the world. And we've just got countless runners every year qualifying for the Olympics, Olympic trials in all sorts of distances from sprints, middle distance, marathoning. I think we have about six athletes or more going to the, the current Olympic trials in Atlanta with you. And I don't know if I've ever met another runner, Casey, that threw down to 247 in her first marathon. I'm, I've got to say, I'm just, uh, I'm pretty, I'm pretty shocked. It's amazing. Thank you. Um, you know, I think it was kind of shocking to me as well. I, I have, you know, a significant endurance background. So I think people see it and I'm not, I'm not trying to downplay it, but you know, there's a lot of years behind it. Um, but yeah, definitely. I think it was a surprise to me as well. Um, I didn't know what the marathon was about and I didn't know what to expect. So I don't know. Yeah. It, it was a lot of fun. And, um, I went out at super cascade just wanting to see what it was about and, uh, surprised myself. And, um, yeah, 
It was a good day. I would say 247 is a good day for a debut marathon. It's it's a remarkable, it's a remarkable breakthrough um, for anybody, and, and particularly when you when you chalk it up to the fact that it was your first. Um, so you said you had the endurance background. Why don't you share a little bit about that with everybody in terms of you know where do you think that came from? Is it something that you were born with? You developed it over time. And a lot of people just think, oh, wow, she's talented. She has this, he has that. I love for people to get into the nitty gritty a little bit and just share you know, what that really all entails and, and maybe how that set you up to, to have that kind of debut and have that kind of success. Right. So, you know, I read Dina Castor's book. Um, what's the name of it, Ron? Help me. Oh, gosh. Um, I feel worse because I've also read it. Oh, it's a fabulous book. Dina, please don't hate us. I promise you I will link that in the show notes as well. Fabulous book, uh, all about positive mindset. Uh, let your mind run. Let got your, it. Yes. Yep. Yes. Fist bump. Yep, got yes. it. Yep. I'm so happy. Uh, so go, go ahead. Yeah. So she talks about in her book about um, how she always viewed um, her running as her just having talent. Um, and until she could really uh, grasp the fact that it's it's also about hard work and and you know, not just being a talented person. So I think um, when I think about my own running and where that came from, like I always had, I was always pretty strong. I remember like playing hide and seek with my cousins in the backyard and just loving to be it. <laughs> and I would run them down and- <laughs> The hunt. <laughs> the hunt, yeah. There so, she goes. <laughs> so I think, you know, it started there. Like just like play, always outside and playing and running and um, sports, kickball, whatever. Uh, and then, you know, I ran, like I said, throughout middle school and high school and I got hurt in college, um, plantar fasciitis. I got really down just doing all of the elliptical cross training stuff during that time and started road cycling. Um, that's actually how I met my husband. Um, he was a cyclist at the time and started just doing a lot of bike riding with him. Uh, so I did that for a couple of years as well. So even though there were some breaks in there, I had two pregnancies and where, you know, it was a lot of just walking. Um, yeah, it was always running, cycling. I was always doing something. Um, so I think that, that just that gives you like the aerobic engine, you know, you have that that base and it doesn't really go anywhere. So you can you always have that to fall back on and to work with. So, yeah. Yeah, you built you built some serious aerobic power. Um, you ran across injuries. Um, it's it's remarkable. Um, some of the, particularly female runners that I personally know, like the Roberta Groners, some of the amazing masters runners who had similar backgrounds to you where it just didn't work in college. Um, it just didn't hit. It didn't connect for them. They didn't really have that success. Um, or maybe it just wasn't the, wasn't the right time or the right place, right? You had this great coaching relationship that you had in, in the middle school and in your, in your youth. Maybe if you'd had a coach like that at college, maybe you would have continued ascending and, uh, you know, hit incredible goals, but we'll never know. Yeah, I The just, cool stuff is though, because you met Rob, you met your husband and you got involved with another sport. And we talk all the time about when we're injured, what are we going to do? Because runners, we lose our shit when we're injured. We're, we become like completely different characters. We're like, don't come near me. Don't wake me up. Don't even try to talk to me. Don't have a conversation with me. So here it is, you know, you took to another sport to build, you know, the aerobic engine, get stronger. And you met your husband along the way. It's like a, that's a twofer if ever I've heard of one. Right. And I just want to say, Ron, that I had a lot of support at USC and I had, I did have a great coach and I had a great team. Um, but I think I was just in a hard spot. You know, I don't, I think that I did have the support and I just, 
mentally and emotionally wasn't willing to do the cross training and to be patient. Um, and I think that just came with a little bit of maturity like over time. Hey, that's, that's wonderful. Um, a lot of people out there, in fact, we talked about this on our run and we've been blessed enough to get to spend some time together before coming on today for the show and, and doing the mic. But we both talked about how lots of people are always just looking to, for someone to blame. You know, the race, oh, the weather was bad or it was windy or it was it was too hot or it was too humid. Look, it's it's my boy Bromka who's hopefully going to come on my show one day because he, I name drop him in every single episode. But look, the marathon owes you nothing. If that poor guy didn't figure that out after CIM where you have your breakthrough day and you have this amazing moment where you punch your ticket to go to Atlanta, the guy runs his ass off and comes up two seconds short, which is just, there's been this enormous outpouring from the community with just love and support for this guy. For I always write to him for, thanks for taking us behind the curtain because he has this ability to write and put his feelings into a, a way with words that just most of us are just not capable of saying. We can't state it in that way. It's so eloquent and it's so raw. And so it resonates so well with all of us as runners. And you know what? You owned it. You know, you weren't mature enough. You owned it. Most people are like, yeah, it was my coach's fault or, well, I wasn't running in the right shoes or you need to look in the mirror, man. It's the Goggins approach. You got to be like, hey, what was my part in this equation? Did I fail because of this? Were you maybe overtraining, doing too much miles? Who knows? Maybe it could have been nutrition. There's just so many things that are part of it as well. But I think it's great that you you know, look back at it now and you're not looking at it as like, hey, this was somebody else's fault. You, you're part of it. You're part of that whole situation. And it ultimately led to your growth. You know, you getting involved with cycling and getting stronger, it's probably made you a much stronger runner today. Yeah. And just going back to what you said earlier um, about owning it, I, th I think, you know, I also had a lot to do with um, why I ran at the time. And I loved your podcast um, that you just recently did with Steve. And you guys touched on this a lot because I think just coming back as an adult and finding a different reason to run where it's not so much, you know, the external validation, not saying that I don't run for external validation. I think everyone <laughs> wants that back pat, you know? Yeah. But um, now, you know, I do, I run for myself and just because I love it. And um that that really has become my why, just because it's it's what lights me up and it's what I'm passionate about, and it doesn't really matter whether people get it or not now. Um, and I think it took a while for me to own that. I think that's such an important piece because it, you know, Steve and I are very close, and um, I enjoyed having him on the show. It was just so much fun, uh, just waxing poetic about running and yeah, we probably could have talked for three hours uh, i don't know that anybody else would have been there listening there have been a lot of crickets at the end uh people or either that or they would have been going on their first ultra marathon on a training run listening to the pod if they actually liked it um and we also broke out a record number of f-bombs we may have broken an all-time record and consumed cheetos so all of these things to me make a good day but uh you're right the intrinsic extrinsic and and kind of really unwrapping and figuring out like at the end of the day really like it's the why. Like, why are you doing this? Why do you lace up your shoes? Why do you get up? And for the listeners at home, um, you know, we have, in Casey's situation, she's got two beautiful young girls. All right. I'm going to mess up the names and I'm going to try. Uh, so it's Ella, Kate, and Julie. And Ella, Kate is eight and Julie's three. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So we got that part right. Um, and as a stay-at-home mom, that's just an enormous amount of responsibility, juggling, play dates, school, drop-offs. And I would just love to take a look behind the curtain with you. Like, what is your day like? 
like, how do you fit it all in? When do you fit it all in? When does running come in to your daily flow? Is it in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, like, or is it all different? Like, just give us a little bit of a background on that. Yeah. At first, I want to say that it's not perfect. And I've tried, <laughs> <laughs> I've tried to give myself a little bit of grace because there's a lot of screen time going on some days. <laughs> um, so yeah, at the mornings are the time that I try to disconnect. And I've recently try to be really aware of that, just leaving the phone off until I've snuggled at least for 10 minutes with them. Um, first coffee. Um, <laughs> yes. But first coffee, but maybe first my coffee. favorite shirt I've ever seen or hashtag, but first coffee. Yeah. So I drink a lot of coffee and, um, we get up and the girl, I get the girls off to school or preschool for Julie, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I get to run outside because Julie is in preschool. Um, so that's like 10 o'clock. I'll start training around then um, and then head back after my run, try to squeeze in a shower to pick her up for preschool. Uh, and then if I have a double, then the girls go to the local YMCA with me and they have kids care there. So um, Ella sometimes will join me on the treadmill and kind of walk and play her switch as she's walking. And the other day she did run a mile and a half or a mile. Boom. Yes. Yeah, so that was that was really awesome to have her there and just jogging along. Um but yeah, so they stay at the YMCA if I have a double. And then on the days that Julie is not into preschool, we are at the YMCA like 8 a.m. right when it opens. And I train for, you know, however amount, like two hours. And then we go back home. And those are the days that I don't do doubles. So yeah, usually like doubles maybe twice a week. And yeah, the early mornings, fit it in when you can. Yeah, lots of treadmill running for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, it's just, it's mad respect. You know, it goes back to, like I said, with my mom and just how much she always had to take on and there was nothing, you know, she taught me how to pitch and throw a baseball and she taught us everything, you know, and that's amazing. I mean, and Rob's awesome, by the way. So you got a we went, we're going to keep him around. He's, we like him. We had a fun dinner last night. Um, it just, I think it's just super cool that a, you're already getting, allocate involved a little bit, right? So, and that YMCA time, you know, little by little, she already sees mom running. Maybe I'm going to get on the treadmill. Maybe I'm going to do it. This is, this is how these things generally start out anyway. And one interesting thing you shared with me yesterday is they've never, they've never actually seen you at a race, right? Yeah. I think Ella Kate, I'll take that back. Ella Kate saw me um, once. Um, she was probably like nine months old, maybe. Um, so no recollection of it, but yeah, I generally go to races by myself. Um, just because I think they were just so young, like to get them out. And so, yeah, Rob would stay home with them while I went and did the racing thing and come back. So they don't they don't really know a lot about my running. They know that I run. But um, I think Ella Kate is starting to pick up on it a little bit more, you know, yeah. and get to be interested. That's awesome. Yeah. That's got to make your heart just so happy. Because um, I just remember Ronnie being so young when I was running my faster times. And, you know, he was in the baby stroller with me, the baby jogger, and I'd be rocking two loops of Central Park, 12 miles up and down the hills, and I'd be blasting by people that were really in good shape. But you'd be amazed how fast you could run with those things. Um, have you ever done any the jog stroller stuff? A lot of people are either do it or they don't do it. It's, it tends to be one or the other. Absolutely not. No. Yes. I know that one of, uh, I think it's Anna Boone on uh, yes. a Larry Racing Team. Yes. I'm so impressed because it kills my run. Like it makes me hate the run, but she still just has so much joy. And I know yeah. she sings and talks to her daughter. So yeah, it's the, I, yeah, I've never been a stroller runner at all. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's interesting. Cause we there, it's cut and dry. Um, I talked to Kelly Batandul, who was my first guest on and she was a no. 
Um, you're a no. I was a hard yes. Um, because that was at the time when I was going through my own divorce and I didn't want to give up any of my free time with Ronnie, like to give up in your case, you're seeing your children every single day. So to cut an hour or two out where maybe I'm not seeing as much of him, it just didn't feel right. And I wanted to make sure like, like, Hey, is he going to enjoy this? And, you know, he started out in small spurts, two, three miles. And I, you never heard a kid giggle like that in your life. You never heard anyone laugh so much and the feet flopping up in the air and the hands going and so that's why, you know, Bill Johncock and Logan and our group, those people are, they're special to me, you know, they're special to you. They're special to Brendan. We, we've got uh, an amazing, like esprit de corps in our group and everyone just pulls and roots for each other. And the fact that you came through with the OTQ is just like amazing. And yet you had to feel that love, right? From our group. I mean, it's not a big group, but it had to feel pretty awesome, right? You know, that is the biggest thing that I took away from CIM. I was so freaking grateful for ORT because my my family supports my running, but they just got it, you know, and I knew that they were there watching, tracking, um, and it really meant a lot. And they really shared the joy with me um, post CIM as well. And I, like I said, I'm just so grateful. I'm stumbling over my words because it, it just really makes me so happy to be part of it. And um, I feel like I'm f- like forming friendships virtually and it's been awesome. Yeah. Well, that's that's beautifully said. And there's a difference, you know, Facebook is a big giant entity. It's as big as this giant body of water that's right outside us that we're looking at. And sometimes we put something out there and there's just, you know, did anybody read it? Did anybody see anything? Or, you know, you say, can you forward this cancer thing? And no one does. So there's times when we just feel like, what are we putting this out there for anyway? But our smaller running groups like O'Leary Racing Team and some of the groups I'm involved with with Strava and Instagram and other people. I've just, I met people all around the world. I mean, I meet people who are following what I'm doing, you know, running all the marathon majors or whatever that might be, or they're really interested in my podcast and they're following it. And I go to a city and I feel like I've got friends everywhere. And it's, it's pretty amazing. You know, you come out to Seattle, I get to run with you. We get to hang out. We get to sit down for the show. I mean, it's, it's pretty special. Yeah, and um, I think you embody that well. Like you've you've taken your running and you've made it about community and connection, and um, it's really inspiring. So, oh well, that's that's pretty sweet. Thank you, because uh, it's kind of um, something I I thought about. I talked a lot about it with my son, and it's really funny because um, I talk to him all the time about goals and and setting big goals and and writing them down, committing to them, and putting them on the refrigerator, putting them somewhere where you can see them, very much like Goggins and. I just distinctly remember like giving him like a timeline of when I was going to do the podcast. And it may have been the very first time my son ever really called me on something major. He was just like, hey, dad, didn't you say you were going to start the podcast by, you know, like dot, dot, dot. And I just looked at him. I said, come here for a second. And I think he didn't know what was going to happen next. And I just gave him like the biggest squeeze, the biggest hug. I think I might have cracked a couple of his ribs. But I was just so proud of him in that moment that he was not afraid to turn the tables on me the way I would with him. If it were something important that he had talked about doing and maybe he had drifted off the mark and, you know, why did you drift off? Like what's going on? And the more I explored it, I just, I think we're all afraid to fail, right? I mean, am I going to suck at this? Does anybody want to listen to the show? And when I started to strip all this stuff away, I was like, that's not why I'm doing the show. I'm not doing the show for ratings. I'm not doing the show to monetize it. I'm not looking for sponsorships. The only thing in the world that I'm doing this for is to meet awesome people like yourself that are doing things that are going to inspire other people to run, to exercise, to be fit. 
other moms at home are going to hear this episode and go, wait, she's a mom of an eight and a three-year-old and she's juggling all that stuff. And she managed to qualify for the Olympic trials. She ran a 243 marathon. Like if she can do that, what can I do? Maybe she has no chance at qualifying for the Olympic trials, but you know what? She can start running again. She can put her shoes on and get out the door. Or maybe if she's not healthy with running, maybe she could ride a bike like you did and start cycling. You know, maybe she can go to the Y and start swimming. You know, it all starts sometimes in the smallest place. So this is my hope for this thing was just going to be my give back. I'm going to travel around because I want to be face to face. These conversations to me are more meaningful. When we can sit down and look at each other and you all aren't in this room with us. We've got some crazy artwork on the wall in here, man. This artist painted up this suite. He got paid a lot of money to paint the outside murals of the hotel. I believe his name is Larry Weiland, right? Apparently he's a famous artist, uh, came from the Bay Area and settled here in Seattle. And apparently the story of the room that I'm in is that while he was painting the suite for like two weeks outside the building, I'm sorry, he was painting uh, a giant mural on the external uh, part of the hotel. He decided to paint the inside walls of this room that we're in. And when he left, he said, I have a gift for you all. And you know, they came up to the room and they were like, okay, I guess we have crazy art on the walls here forever. So I'm looking at this otter on the wall right now. We're having our chat. What do you, what do you think about this guy over here? Well, you were kind of hard on him earlier, but he looks very sweet, Mr. Ollie the Otter. And I appreciate his company today. Yeah, well, no question when we do this post, we're gonna have to get a couple of shots of this very eclectic room so y'all can get a little bit of an idea of what's happening here. The whale's kind of scary though. Yeah, the whale. The, whale's the orca. The, whale, the orca dude by the front <laughs> door is definitely a little bit scary. He's dripping a bit. Yeah, yeah. And see, here's the whole part. You complimented me on getting the show going, but the fun part is to be able to sit across from the other person, to have an actual conversation because the Skypes of the world and all the other tools that allow us to connect on a laptop. It's not a direct conversation. It's not face-to-face, so it's not as personal. So I'm just gonna keep racking up those United miles and I'm gonna earn my 1K status again. And I'm gonna get to fly fly and sit down with awesome people like Casey and, and share their stories. So if you guys are all good with that, that's gonna be my plan for the year to just keep rolling around. So you let me know, hit me up on the feedback. Thank you, Ryan. Um, I think that anyone that finds something that that lights them up and it, that's going to be different for every mom or every, every person. Um, but you just got to find that for yourself, I think. So, um, I went through a time after my second pregnancy, um, a little bit of postpartum depression and I wasn't allowing myself to, to find joy in the running. I was constantly, um, questioning it and, um, wanting it to be I just, I think I felt like I was spending so many hours away from the kids and into the running that it needed to have a larger purpose, like not, you know, it just felt kind of selfish. I felt a little bit self-absorbed spending all the time training. Um, and it wasn't until I let that go and allowed myself to just enjoy it and to go for it and to have a little bit of backbone and say, this is what I want and this is what I want to do and this is my goal, that everything kind of fell together and it did become more than the running. and. I did find people that um, I could connect with and and touch and coach. So um, I think there's something to be said for just uh, following your bliss, so to speak, sometimes. And that was beautiful. And thanks for sharing that uh, and opening up about that. Because as moms, you know, we're caregivers. Moms are there to take care of their families and look after 
literally anything and everything. Um, and yeah, so guilt is a powerful emotion. We we talked a little bit at dinner last night with Rob and I being the Catholic school boys and I was an altar boy. And man, that Catholic school guilt can still get you to this day. I could be roped into doing just about anything. If somebody throws a little guilt my way, I'm like, okay, all right, I'll do it. You know, you got me. But you can't be the best version of yourself. You can't be the best mom. You can't be the best husband. can't be the best brother, partner, whatever, if you're not taking care of yourself, right? So there's a self-care component. And guilt is, is not an easy foe to defeat. He's not easy at all, or she's not easy, if she, depending on your point of view, if it's a man or a woman, or it's some, who knows, a combination of both. Um, very tough. And we all go through those feelings, um, whether it's, you know, I should have been doing this today, or maybe I could have spent a little more time with my client if I didn't race out of that meeting. Maybe I would have done a little better job. But we all know that we have to get those certain things done. And obviously, not every run is critical or important. But when you're on a journey like you're on, it's about building volume and it's about building base and getting stronger over time. And, you know, just for the listeners out there, like what's what's kind of your training philosophy that you adhere to and you follow in terms of on the journey that you're on right now? Right. Yeah. So we've kind of slowly built up my volume. I think I started when I was first starting with Brendan running about 70 miles a week. And now I'm able to tolerate between 85 and 95 pretty well. Um, but that was very incremental. And then um, I do two workouts a week. Um, you know, anything from a tempo run to some lactate threshold work. And then we'll put in some longer marathon pace stuff into my long runs every other week. So, I mean, that's basically it. Um, you know, if I'm not recovering well, then we'll back off a bit. And um, we work together pretty well um, in that realm. If I have something going on with the girls or things are just really tight and stressful, you know, we might back off the mileage a little bit as well. Um, but yeah, he's really great at, at um, asking for my feedback. And um, yeah. Well, that's really important. Um, that's a, I probably I would say that may be the single biggest defining um, characteristic you're looking for in a, in a good coach athlete relationship. If you can't be truly honest about how you're feeling, and I think sometimes um, the overachiever types, the the A types, which a lot of runners fall right into that category, we don't ever want to miss a workout. If the mileage says 17, we sure as hell aren't punching out at 15 because we didn't hit our goal for the day, right? And it, it all of that lends itself to how runners become really good at what they do because we're determined as hell. We work long hours, we have jobs, we're CEOs, we're lawyers, we're doctors, or we're moms raising multiple children, families, running 80, 90 mile weeks on top of all that. So we're managing a lot, all of us are. And the way we become successful and become really good runners, but also good in all of those other aspects of our life are by hitting the things that are on our list for the day. It's not by saying, oh, okay, I don't have to do this. So if you can find a coach like Brendan, or you can find a coach like Casey who is interested in talking to you, because I think that's a big piece that sometimes doesn't occur. Um, and you don't have to have phone calls nowadays. Um, I think phone calls are great. Um, and some coaches, I've gotten away from that. Some coaches are very involved with it. I think it depends on the coach that you hire to do the job for you. I think it's just really important that you're able to be honest and say, hey, I'm not ready for this tempo run on Thursday. I'm not feeling it. And I just know it's not going to go well. You just push push the workout. A lot of times people will skip it like one day. Most of the good coaches I know, just the, the workout's gone. It's you don't do it. If you don't do it on that day, you don't do it. You just you're if you're not going to be ready that day, you're not going to be ready one day later. So you need that kind of flexibility. 
Yeah, absolutely. And um, I haven't always been the best at pulling back. So like you said, I think a, a good coach can, uh, you know, read between the lines sometimes too. Like, you know, it's time. We need to just pull back just a bit and let you recover and, and we can get back at it. Um, but it takes a maturity and an athlete to be able to to do that and to really um, be honest with yourself about where you are. Um, and that takes patience too. Um, a lot of patience in training. And um, I think that parallels life really well too, you know, um, just being patient with the the process of training and uh, patient with the process of, you know, chipping away at who you want to be, um, all of that stuff. Well said. Um, people want that immediate return. Uh, you know, they're signing up, they want a Boston qualifier, they want whatever it might be. And they're really not willing to to look at how much work generally has to go into that. Like, what does it really require? Like Steve talks about, what does the race require? I, I just love that. Um, I love some of his little sayings that he has because they're they're just so appropriate. They fit, right? What does the race require? Are you racing 3,000 meters on the track? Are you racing cross country? Are you doing steeplechase? I mean, it requires incredibly different uh, aerobic capacity, you know, volume, uh, speed work, pace work, turner work, whatever kind of training, you know, you're going to need to put in to get the right result you want for the race that you're currently training for. But, you know, I just come across so many people, you know, they're worried about what everybody else is doing. You know, that's not the way to get it done. You got to focus on yourself. Like, what does Casey need to do? And clearly, you know what you need to do. You're getting it done. But the people out there that are in that black hole or they're struggling, I think the best advice I could give them, and I'm sure you would echo this, is like, hey, you got to take ownership of your own running. You can't be worrying about your friends. Don't be worrying about this person who's doing this and running faster than you right now. Be self-critical. Take a look at what you're doing. What are you, what are you missing? You know, maybe the marathon isn't for you. Maybe you'd be better suited at different distances. I think mean, there's way too many people out there. And of course, it might sound crazy coming from me, the guy who's going and running marathon majors all over the world. But look, this is just a fun part of my life. I love traveling. I love meeting people like yourself and being involved in making new friendships everywhere I go. But the marathon isn't for everybody. That distance isn't for everybody. Right. And I also think, you know, maybe having a specific running goal is not for everybody either. And um, people see, you know, men and women going out and hitting a certain time and they think, I need to do that too. I want a structured training routine too. But I think it's okay not not to have that. Like it's okay just to go out and run every day and and not have a specific goal in place. And um, yeah, like you said, like you have to be honest about like the work that you're willing to put in. And if you want running to be something else for you, that's okay too. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, I think, you know, also like there's so many other types of running available to you. I mean, there's trail running, there's like OCR racing, there's triathlon. I mean, there's, there's just so many other ways where you can still be a runner, but maybe even be involved with some other sports. I mean, you had the cycling background and you know, it's just fun to, you know, try some different things. I mean, if you might be getting stale with your running by doing some of these other things, you might, you know, kind of reinvigorate things, you know, reignite the charge. And sometimes we get flat. Sometimes we get, you know, we talked about it at dinner. I'm just like, you know, I've been in this like major, 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 major. Like, I'm just like, whoa, holy cow. I got to run Tokyo again, March 1st. I'm not ready to run Tokyo. I'm like way out of shape right now. But most people, they're not really willing to like accept that fact. I'm out of shape. I'm overweight. I'm not feeling fit right now. I'm not feeling strong right now, but that's okay. I got to make a decision soon. March 1st isn't right around the corner, but it's pretty soon. Like if I'm really going to run this thing and get after it, I got to start doing the work. I haven't been doing the work at all. And you can send all the bit of honeys to me. 
Well, I don't know if Coco is going to go along with that because uh, <laughs> most people think I ate them all and just threw the bag as evidence in her dog bed, which was hilarious. People from our ORT group, I know, I think it was Karen Camerlengo said that, but I got I got such a kick out of that. But right now I've got this bag of Cheetos in front of me and I'm eating way too many Cheetos, people. I'm eating too many sour gummies, boxes of milk duds, having too many cocktails, drinking too much wine. But what can I say? There's still time to pull the reins in and get down to business and we'll see. I like to put pressure on myself. So I might have to throw a time goal out for Tokyo that I have like no shot of achieving. And then maybe it'll get my fat ass back into working and doing some training. So we'll see. You'll get it. You'll get there. Uh, I hope so. We'll see. Um, so I thought um, for the listeners at home, I mean, certainly because you're the first Olympic trials qualifier on the show, which is just huge, like boom, honored to have you on talking about it. Take us out there. Like I was at CIM with Kaiza. Um, got a chance to run with her until she dropped my ass and, and ran away from me, which was just super fun for me because she just crushed it and, and got everything out of that day that she needed to. And she honored her dad and she had a special day and I was wiped out and exhausted, but I was just proud to be w there with her as a friend. And I got to do the great show with Steve. So it was just like a double bonus in every way and wonderfully fulfilling. Um, but for you, CIM, like take us out there I mean, literally from the morning you're arriving out there, because I know you had family and you were scrambling around because we talked about this was a little tight, even just with the expo. From the time you rolled out there in the morning when it's dark, tell, tell us about the day. I felt a tremendous sense of pressure that day. <laughs> I love it. Just going in. Yeah, just to be honest, like mm -hmm. I, I did, I was, I was carrying it. I was sitting on the bus on the way in and... Um, texting with my husband, told him I was, you know, on my way in. There's a guy like <laughs> sitting beside me, falling asleep on me and like <laughs> literally almost in my lap. And I kept pushing his head. Oh, anyways, God. that's not related to, to the, the good stuff. But anyways, um, yeah. So when I got there, I actually did a little warm up and um, was in the corral before anyone else. I was the first person in the corral. Oh my <laughs> God. Number one in the corral. Well, I mean, Casey knew it was at stake, so she wanted to be sure she could get to the front of the line. So now we're starting to get a little insight into what Casey's really like. I'm neurotic. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit anxious. Um, but yeah, so I got in there and uh, I think it was Patrick Hutton who knew Brendan, uh, happened to see my jersey and immediately just came up to me and started talking to me. And I... Thank you, Patrick, because a lot of the anxiety just kind of melted away. He was super cool. Um, he was ready to go and fired up and got me fired up. And then, you know, the other women came in there. The pacers for the 245 women came, and um, the energy there was just over the top and just beyond what I expected. So I was I was ready to go. And, um, yeah, I felt really amazing through that entire race. Um, except for my sister said she was going to be at mile six, and she was not. Um, I didn't see her till my not, mile nine. And when I got there, I was just so uplifted and so ready to go. And she was she was hollering me. She's like, this is it. You're going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> She's crazy, but I love her. And it, it was it was really fun having her out there. Um, and when I crossed the line, someone was asking me, uh, do you know Brendan? And I wasn't answering them. I was just in such a fog and, and disbelief that I kept asking them where my sister was. But yeah, it was just... Um, I think just the the women there were so supportive of one another. Um, and it was so different from college or collegiate racing where I felt um, just a, a larger sense of competition between each other. Um, so that difference was it, – it was, it was awesome to see. And um, 
a lot of them just cross the line together and we're there to support each other in reaching this common goal. Um, yeah. So it, it was, it was, it was a good day and, um, everything came together almost just as we planned. I can't think of anything that really went wrong in the race. So, you know, the marathon doesn't owe you anything like Peter Bromka says, but that day it gave me everything. <laughs> oh, I love, uh, he, he will love that. I might have to actually tag him in our, the write-up post for the episode and, and just put, put that line in there because I, I think he would love that. You're right. It doesn't owe us anything, but it can, it can give us everything. It's kind of the yin and the yang, right? Yeah. Um, with these things. So, you're nervous. You're the first in the crowd. I just love that you'll you'll share that with people. Cause look, man, runners are quirky as fuck, man. We're just we're just out there. We have our own crazy little idiosyncrasies, and we all got our little things. Um, and you know, like so, the fact that you like own that and knew you had to get there, and you, of course you had some drooling guy on you as well, like falling asleep <laughs> on your shoulder. <laughs> so there's a great start to the morning. So for everybody at home who's looking for this perfect day to start. There are really no perfect days. There's always going to be some weird shit that's going to come your way. So you you dealt with it in your own way, right? You got there early, you got in there, and you saw Patrick and just getting some conversation going, like took the nerves off. Um, I also love, I've read in numerous uh, posts on Instagram and on Facebook and just articles that have been written about, you know, kind of the sisterhood, how the women work together. And, and similarly, on the men's side, I've heard Peter on a number of different podcasts talk about it too, because look, it's a common goal. You're all, it isn't to win that race. It's to run that time. It's to make that standard. And so, yeah, it's a lot easier to run with a group of two or three women or two or three guys or a combination of men and women. We were talking about at dinner last night. If I, if I was rolling around in Central Park in some race and I was dying and somebody like Kate came up, came up to me who I would respect, well, she could never be behind me. She would be lapping me, but so it's not a relevant story. But I'm just saying with somebody I respect and really like rolled up on me. I don't care how bad I'm feeling. I am, I'm gunning it. You know, I'm going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to stay with her. I'm going to stay with him because I respect them. I like them. They're, they're somebody I look up to. Um, so you had that opportunity to work with different women. I mean, were you in larger packs where did you find yourself around a bunch of people? Were you separated? Like give us, give us a sense of that. Yeah. So the game plan was to stick with the pacer for, I think the first mile or so. The 245 um, group. The, yeah. Yeah. So tell everybody at home what that pace per mile is. Cause they're not going to know. The 245, I think, is 615. 615. Right? I think 615 or 618. Oh, okay. I yeah. think so, because you you ran 612 pace and you ran 243, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're, you're right. Yeah. Closer to 617, 618. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So um, I did. I stayed with him for the first mile and um, I just felt like um, I needed to pick it up. Um, and then <laughs> one, <laughs> one mile in, I need to pick it up. I love it. You know, uh, I'm sorry. I'm, this I'm, is the newbie marathoner here. Yeah, sorry, this isn't happening for me. So listen, it was really nice talking to you all in the crowd, but I'm out of here. Peace out. Take it easy. Uh, this was in the game plan, okay? This is what we... <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I, I left them after. I think, I don't know. It was like the first mile or two. Um, and I ran by myself. For Hashtag a dropped. <laughs> there was um, a couple of women ahead of me that were... Um, that I, I thought, well... It's gonna cost me a bit to catch them, um, so I, I. But I did. I picked it up, and I felt like it was a, a risk I was willing to take, just to be able to settle in behind them and kind of let them uh, or work with them. They did a lot of the work for me. They were great. They were so even. I think I stayed with them until, I don't know, at least mile twenty, twenty one, and um, I think it was Chelsea Albertson. I'm not really sure her first name. Albertson. Um, uh, 
super nice, giving me her water bottles because they had handouts and I did not. Um, I think that they were in the elite corral. Um, and just, like I said, giving me their water and uh, totally supportive of me. And then uh, I think, yeah, around 21, I uh, I was feeling good and, and left them as well. And I think I ran most of the rest of the race by myself, if I'm remembering correctly. There, I think there was like one or two people every once in a while that blew past me. But yeah, um, that's kind of how it went. Yeah. So you did not have bottle service. I did not. No, yeah. Now, could you have worked that out or you just didn't want to approach the race director about it? Uh, I don't think so. Um, I actually wasn't even seated with um, like the 245 pacers. So, Got it. Yeah. So I didn't register as an elite because I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> and um, uh, Brendan, actually, I'm not sure exactly who he spoke to, but he did a great job of um, getting me in there so I could at least start with them and have access to the pacers. Um yeah. And so, no, I didn't have handouts. Um, it's okay. Yeah. It went well. Like I said, they saved me. They gave me their bottle. So so what did you do for fueling? Did you use gels? I mean, what, what were you using? Yeah. So I use, I think, some honey stinger, like ginseng gels with some caffeine in them for a lot of it. And then I think one or two chocolate uh, cliff shots just to mix it up. But yeah, just every 45 minutes, I think, a gel and then water and electrolyte. And that was your that was your magic mix that day. Yep, that's what worked. Yep. Hey, it's it certainly did. And um, for people following at home, I don't have it in front of me, but I do remember looking at it on the ORT page. I'm pretty positive, and I'll probably screw this up too, but I'm pretty sure you negative split the race, right? No, I don't think so. It was close. No, no. Mm -mm. I okay, I ran. I think I ran pretty even until the last 5k mm -hmm. and I honestly don't know what my splits were I stopped taking them on my watch and I don't I can't get the breakdown anywhere else yeah um but I think it was just pretty even yeah the whole yeah. time yeah yeah it was it was really strong it, it I'm I remember looking at the paces it was really strong um a lot of times people that are running a time like that you know they're if they've been averaging 610 612s you know their last couple of miles are 650s 710 720 I don't remember anything like that for you. I thought you were you rolled it all the way through to the end. Yeah. Like I said, I'm not exactly sure. I felt like I was running about 640s, 650s, but yeah. <laughs> people keep telling me that I didn't. Um, I think people that were following me, but I, yeah. don't, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You, you didn't. I'm, I'm fairly sure of that. How about that bridge? That bridge was fun, right? There was I, a bridge? Yeah, that bridge at the end. Yeah, you don't remember that bridge? Oh yeah, yeah. I do. That was, must have been in a fog. Yeah, because like slightly remember it. You know, <laughs> That's like great. What putting bridge? your head down. Wait, like, did we run the same bridge? course? Oh man, well let's let's see the difference at that point. You know, um, Casey's rocking like six fifteens, and I'm rolling up, probably running like eight minute pace because I was just like so dead at that point. <laughs> I, I got to that bridge, just like get me the hell out of here. But I was like, no, I got to stay back here just in case Kaiser has any problems. I got to be back here. God forbid she gets a cramp or a stomach stitch or you know something. And thank God she didn't. Yeah. Um, but that bridge bothered me, man. I was like, get this stupid bridge. Is, it didn't even seem like a hill. But then I was like, wait, this is a hill. Yeah. When you're tired, everything's a hill. Yeah. yeah right? Yeah. When you're strong, it's like, I got this. But when you're tired, no, it's it's a problem. I think it's funny that you mentioned the bridge and I didn't remember it because my, hus <laughs> my husband would be cracking up right now because I'm the world's worst with like sense of direction. And like, I think um, when I was cycling, I took a, I was um, ahead of uh, the pack. I had like sprinted off in front of them and it took a wrong turn. And I thought I was in the lead forever, but really I was just way off course and ended up not even like at the finish line. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. And I actually took a wrong uh, turn in a race um, a few years back and yeah, lost like 400 meters because I can't follow directions apparently. 
Well, it's a, it's a good thing there was somebody in front of you at CIM because you might have gone the wrong way there too. You dropped the group at like one mile and you're like, I'm out of here. Oh, so yeah. it's a good thing you didn't, you didn't get too far ahead. Yeah. Although it's really, it's pretty hard to make a wrong turn on that course. It's pretty, you can pretty see, pretty much see what's going down. I don't know. I might surprise you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you didn't. Okay. I know uh, everybody's really happy you know, the way it, way it turned out in the end. So take me to the latter part of the race, you know, like that, that last 5k. I mean, at that point, did you ever at that moment, like, feel like, you know what, I, I'm doing this, this is actually happening. Or were you just like, so focused on like, I, I'm not going to think about that. I've, I've got to just keep hammering. Like what, what were you thinking at that point? Yeah, I was running scared. Cause I think I couldn't like do the math straight. It was really funny. Like I think even 200 meters ago, I was like, am I, is this really going to happen? Is this really happening? Um, so yeah, I think I was just putting my head down and just trying to stay with it mile by mile. Cause the, that last 5k is it's always really hard. Um, and at Super Cascade, my first marathon, you know, I definitely uh, lost quite a bit of time in the last 5k. So I was scared um, and just kind of put my head down and just try to keep keep at it as hard as I could go. Did not look at my watch. <laughs> so, yeah. Keep grinding. Yeah. And by the way, even when we look at our watches, we're not going to be able to do math at that point. Trust me, unless you're like an MIT dude, you're not doing math. That late <laughs> the marathon, it's over. And of course, we have to be cursed with the 26.2. It couldn't be a nice round number or like 25 or something else where, okay, I have 2.2 miles to go. Uh, yeah, good luck figuring that out. You can figure it out right now when you're doing a podcast and everything is good, but uh, I don't think you could figure it out 24 miles into a race when you don't even remember you ran across a bridge. I mean, <laughs> come on, if you don't remember that. I mean, even Ali Diotter remembers that. I mean, yeah. he, he's looking at me saying, hey, I, I remember the bridge. You know, I got you, Ron. Yeah, no hope. <laughs> yeah, no hope whatsoever. Oh, man. So um, looking forward a little bit to Atlanta. You know, you come through. Well, actually, before we, before we get into Atlanta, when you cross the line, and it actually happened. You actually had said somebody was asking you about Brendan and the team, whatever. I mean, did you, what What were you feeling? Like when you crossed the line and you actually knew that it actually happened. It was not, this really happened. The magic actually happened. I qualify for the Olympic trials. I've seen pictures of women hugging each other, like these huge groups, like throngs of women coming together. And then right to the last one who, you know, made it by a few seconds or whatever. And like cheering all, you know, groups, you know, clapping and cheering at the finish line. I mean, the energy level, it just was like magical. I mean, were you able to feel some of that or were you just so inside of yourself in the moment, like pressing so hard that you really couldn't like take that feeling away? Yeah, I think it took a minute, um, you know, but afterwards I, I was, I was very overwhelmed with gratitude is the only word for it because I had sat on the airplane um, flying into Sacramento and I said, I do not want to be on this airplane flying back and not have hit that standard. And so when I crossed the line, that's one of the first things that I thought about. I was like, I get to sit on the airplane and go back really happy. <laughs> so, yeah, and it just, you know, it is, it's a, it's a lot of time put into something that it's just a number, but at the same time, it was so much more. And I was just so grateful um, for it to have happened. Um, and so happy to, that my sister was there to to share the joy with me. So, yeah, I went and found her immediately and she was in tears I was in tears. Uh, yeah, it was it was a it was one of the the best moments of of my life. You know, like getting married, having children. It's it's up there for sure. Uh, it's, I'm going to be in tears soon because it's emotional. I mean, you put so much of yourself into this, and um, I think I remember maybe Brenda texted me 
um, Christmas morning. He told me you got up at four thirty and you ran ten miles Christmas morning uh, to get to get your miles in. You know, before opening the gifts with the family and everything. You know, th they're such little things, but they all add up. You know, th those kinds of sacrifices that you make. You know, to be a great runner, but also to be a mom, to be a good to be a good wife, to be a good partner. There's just a lot of sacrifice that has to be put into it, and to have it manifest itself and to have it work out and then to have your sister there and to have all these other like strong badass women like achieving this goal it's it's like amazing and it's uplifting as hell and uh i think when my ex-wife was a terrific runner ran two, two 253 marathons i was telling you about it she came third in marine corps one year and the standard used to be 250 and there was way less women meeting that standard then and there were terrific runners i just think like women have just taken it. Women's distance running is clearly outpacing men's distance running, at least in the United States. I can't speak for any other country, um, but damn, I mean, I'm proud of the times the women are, are throwing down and I'm proud of how hard they're working and the example that they're setting of what you can do, you know, when you set your mind to achieve hard goals. Right. I agree. I think that women are definitely transcending and they're allowing themselves to to go after those goals. And um, giving them per themselves permission to. So, yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what happens in um, distance running here. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that they'll they'll drop the standard. You know, it's going to happen, and probably, and they're going to transcend again, right? And then when they move that bar down, or you know, it's just a matter of what you, it's getting faster, but it's really like raising uh, the right, bar, yeah. right? However you want to look at it, that just the cream will rise to the top, right? Like there's gonna be people who go, oh, I can't do that. Well, there's the other people. You said, I don't wanna fly home, which somebody might look at as a negative. I don't wanna fly home and not hit this number. It's the opposite. You're saying, I'm, I'm fucking doing this, okay? I'm gonna go home on this plane. Like you were cognizant of it. You were thinking of it and you, you hadn't even you know, landed yet. You were thinking, I don't wanna ride this plane home. So you're just like, I'm going, I'm going to do this. And you did it. So awesome, totally awesome stuff. And, you know, now you get a chance to go to Atlanta. You get a chance to have your daughters out there on the race course. What were you telling me on our run? What family member got you some uh, tickets, finish line tickets or passes or something for, for Atlanta that, that somebody hooked you up and came through at something? Who was that? Yeah. So my sister-in-law, uh, Cassie, uh, works for the Olympic marketing division for Bridgestone. And um, she's got six tickets for my family to sit at the finish line. So... That is amazing. And um, again, just uh, seeing how, you know, when you go after your goals, like how it does bring people together, like when people want to share that joy with you. And she's really reached out to me and been super supportive. And I really appreciate that. So it's going to mean a lot to have them them all there. Rob's family is flying down. Um, my mother-in-law, father-in-law, my mom's going to be there, um, my sister. So it, it'll be good. I haven't been home in two years either since we moved out to uh, Seattle. So I'm going to spend about a week afterwards just uh, hanging and chilling out post-marathon with everyone too. So yeah, looking forward to it. That's fantastic. Um, the energy and the style of course, because it's like a loop course where you just kind of keep looping around. Now, I don't, I haven't studied it because I'm not going to be down there. And I'm, a lot of my friends are going down and they're going to be participating in the race like you, or they're going to do the half, I think, which is the day after. Um, do you pass by that or is that only at the finish? Because I know it's a loop course a couple of times and then, you know, I haven't like studied the actual route. You know, I need to look into that too. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
hopefully you won't make a wrong turn just to run by and see them because <laughs> it would be cool, but it might not put you at the top top of the rankings like you want. And I know at this point, I mean, I we've talked about this before and my good friend Kate, who's qualified twice for the trials, like there comes a point where it's almost like, oh, you know, I'm not going to be able to finish in the top 10 or top 20. And like, these are people that I'm lucky enough to have in my life. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You're amazing. Like, you're freaking amazing. Like, you made the Olympic trials. Like, who cares if you come in 100th place or 50th place? You run for every single spot. You can't. You run as hard as you can, which you will do. You leave every ounce of yourself out there. But whatever the hell place you come in, it's amazing, man. You're like one of the most amazing people, amazing runners. So go out there. You leave it all out there, right? I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I'm just, I think I'm just grateful to be part of the crowd, you know, and like you said, like there's no chance of me, you know, doing anything crazy, being top three, going to the Olympics, but um, it's it's not about that. It's funny. I had someone who's, they're very supportive is at the YMCA and he talks to me quite often and he said, yeah, you're doing well, but you know, you're never, you're not going to be a professional. And it's... <laughs> I just looked at him like, well, no, but that's not really what it's about, is it? You know? But, yeah. yeah. Well, you should have brought me by there. I would have like taken that dude right out. <laughs> yeah, I he would, had good intentions. I, <laughs> I don't care, man. I'll, if I, next time I come back to Seattle, that dude's, I'll finish that guy. Like, it, just, it just shows you like in life, there's just, oh, there's going to be people who champion what you're doing and be really proud of you and all of that stuff. But there's also going to be people who don't understand it at all. We talked about that at dinner last night. They have no idea. What is 612 per mile? They don't. They don't know what a nine-minute mile is. They don't know what a 23-minute mile is. They have no idea. They don't know how exceptional or amazing it is. And, you know, that's why it's a blessing to have groups like we have with ORT where other runners really understand like, oh my God, like I can't run one mile at that pace or I could hardly run 5K at that pace. So it's it's nice to share that experience and that energy with other people who know what it's like because we're not feeling good all the time. I mean, we're battling hamstring tendonitis or glute problems or shin splints or plantar fasciitis or whatever the hell is going on. There's almost always, as runners, we're almost always battling through something, you know? And with your buildup and, you know, getting to the line with CIM, did you have any like major injury hurdles that you had to overcome or work through? Um, I think that I pulled my calf at the very beginning or I don't know, I don't know exactly when. And we took maybe three days off and luckily, yeah, no, no huge hiccups. Um, it was, it, it was a good build. Yeah. I didn't have anything major come up. So. Well, thank God for that. Right. Yeah. Luckily, because I know, you know, I was just telling uh, one of my athletes that actually that there's, there's usually not a perfect build. And if you keep waiting, you know, for a time frame to arise where everything's just going to go so smoothly, you know, no injuries are going to come up. It's, it's not going to happen. So you, you commit and unless like you cannot run through it, like you just, you keep chipping away and um, you look at the bigger picture, right? So each cycle builds on itself and um, you just have to take a wider perspective. Truth. Truth for sure. Um, how cool is it going to be that your your daughters are going to be out there? That's going to be pretty crazy. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously, moms and all the other in-laws, amazing. But that's your daughters, man. Your girls are going to be out there. Yeah, it'll be good. Um, you know, they, uh, I think, like I said, Ellie Kate is definitely starting to uh, be a little bit more supportive. I'm not going to lie. Like, there, <laughs> there are some mornings when, because uh, I, I run Saturday mornings really early. So they get up and then um, I put on a movie for them and they wait till dad gets up. And uh, 
uh, those are the the guilty moments, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, they're in front of the screen time, but she's starting to instead of like battle me on it, she's starting to be like, you know, this is kind of cool because. She goes to the YMCA with me. People will ask me questions about it. And sure. um, yeah, I think that she's kind of starting to buy into, you know, having a goal and, and going after it. Um, so it would definitely be fun to have her there. She is into gymnastics. And uh, uh, I think it's just a, a way for her to see, like, if you keep, you know, at it, you keep applying yourself to something. And um, even when you're tired, uh, that, that things happen. Because I think it comes like she does gymnastics on Thursday nights at... I think she starts at seven and she doesn't get done till 8 30 at night and that's on a school night and some days she's tired and she's like well you know what um i'm gonna go because we might be learning back handsprings today and i can't miss out on the back handspring so yeah i hope that i hope that they see something or they uh pull something out of it you know you never know if yeah. they they get it or not or if it uh leaves an impression on them or not but hopefully so i can i can guarantee you that it's having an effect um, maybe they can't quantify it or say something specific at age eight or certainly at age three, but they see their mom doing this work and they see the routine and they see a strong person um, who is, you know, chasing a crazy ass goal and getting it done. And, uh, you know, one day when they get old enough, they'll be like, my mom ran in the Olympic trials. She's awesome. And maybe one of them will one day, who knows? That would be pretty sweet. Yeah, it would be pretty sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Except for, did you know this? Um, we looked into her getting her enrolled into the, um, I guess, what is it called? Like the Olympic prep for gymnastics, and it starts at four. They're like, she's too old. Like, she's only, she's eight. They're like, sorry, you <laughs> oh missed that boat. <laughs> yeah, that's insane, that isn't ship it? sailed. It just yeah, went bye. by out the window. Yeah. Wow. Um, honestly, it's, it, it is pretty crazy. Um, this exposure for kids these days to instruments and everything. Everything is just started at such an earlier age that it shouldn't, they should never be discouraged. I mean, just because some kids started playing soccer at three, to, to me, why can't a kid become great who starts at eight or at 10? I mean, I just, I don't believe that. I think if you really love something, and I think that's really what it comes down to. If you love something, then you know what you'll do? You'll practice more hours than everyone else and you'll make up for that time um, because it won't be, you won't consider that work, right? And when you're doing something you really love, it's not work. You're not sitting there going, oh, I have to run. I hear people say that all the time. I'm like, you know what? You're not in this for the right reasons. I'm not saying I've never bitched about running because sure I do, but I'm five seconds out the door into a run, 30 seconds, 45 seconds. I've never once said, oh, I wish I didn't go on my run. I wish I didn't put my shoes on. It's the second my head starts to clear, I don't care if it's pouring rain like we ran in the other day or it's cold, as long as you're dressed appropriately and, you know, sometimes I don't want any music, sometimes I want to hear a podcast, sometimes I want to just have white noise, but whatever is there, the minute you start hitting the ground on the dirt or on the grass or on the road, things start to get better. Right. And I think, you know, people ask me, um, how do you do it? Like, you know, where do you find the motivation? Like, that, that is passion. Like it's, that's why you do things, you know, like, uh, I don't, I'm not going to say like running is not hard for me. It is. And it's hard to sometimes fit it in, but I want to fit it in. And like, I want to get that run done. And, um, cause that's what, that's what lights me up for some reason. This, this is my thing, you know, and everyone has their thing. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you. Like, um, there's never a run where I'm just mad to be out running, you know? Yeah. 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 There'll be plenty of other things in our life we'll be doing where we'll be like, oh man, this sucks. But the truth is we, um, 
we we take that suffering, the wind, the rain, whatever. It's just because we're moving through space and time and we start to feel better about ourselves. And most importantly, we can process shit, you know? You had a rough day, you're tired, you're exhausted, whatever, a client you're coaching, just you're not connecting. Somewhere out there, you can think about this stuff even when you're not actually thinking about it, right? Somewhere in another part of a hemisphere of the brain, work is going on, shit is being mapped, things you don't even think about. And then all of a sudden you come back, you're like, hey, wait a minute. I had an idea or two and it's like, let me write this down. And Oh, okay. I know. Instead of doing my workouts on Tuesday and Thursday, I'm going to move them to like Monday morning and Thursday. So I have three days because as a master's runner, I need more recovery time. And my team, which is amazing, we have two organized workouts a week and they're Tuesday and Thursday. And you know, if you're in your twenties or thirties, that's really not a big turnaround. It's not a big deal. But when you're going to be 59, it's tight. Um, and so I'm going to sacrifice something. I'm either going to go all out in one of those workouts and then I'm going to like mail it in on the second one. So to, to me, there's no point in showing up for that second one. Because if I'm not going to go out there and run with them and ball and like mix it up, there's no point. So that's, and I think as a coach, um, it's something you and Brendan certainly do a great job with, working with the team O'Leary athletes is you got to have flexibility. You're a mom, you've got two young ones and you're having to go to the Y, you're having to run in the morning before they go to daycare or whatever's going on. Like you have to have a coach that will work with you and build the flexibility in because a master's runner is very different than a post-college runner in their 20s or their 30s. And somebody could be a lot older than me and maybe they can only run three days a week or four days a week. So that's that's a big part of it, right? Just figuring all that out. Right, yeah. And I always tell my athletes that like, you know, this is the schedule, but feel free to to move the days around. Like if you need to rest on this day instead, or this long run needs to be moved to another day, like go for it. You don't need my permission to do that. So yeah, yeah. I think that's the fun part about working with adults too, you know, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they can kind of manage that stuff themselves. And um, yeah, and you're absolutely right about the recovery days and just, um, you know, communication is really important too. Um so just being able to, like you said earlier, to be honest about where you are and what you need at that time. So, yeah. Well, you empower your athletes when you give them permission, right? If you need to shift something or switch it, just open that kind of pathway up for your communication. And if you get to that level, the way you have it with Brendan on the other side with him coaching you, then you know good things are going to happen because you don't, you're not worrying about, because remember the type A types like us, if you give me something to do, I have to do it, right? So we're always fighting that. But sometimes you have to just be able to raise that white, white flag and say, mm, I'm not ready for this today. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree. I can't do it. Mm -hmm. Yep. I can't do it. So anything else about CIM, about Atlanta, just anything you want to speak to other you know, mom runners out there, any, any messages you want to get across to anybody that you want to share with the people who will hopefully be tuning into this bad boy? Yeah, I just want to say thank you to the O'Leary Racing Team um, and everyone there who has reached out. With There's just been so many kind messages, and I can't tell you how much that means to me, and that's sincere. Um, and also my family and friends as well. Um, I just i am so grateful for the support. Uh, and to the women out there, um, just give yourself permission to, to keep chipping away about whatever it is that lights you up and just... Keep at it. Keep on keeping on. That's a that's a great message because it's a it's the gratitude is very obvious to me sitting here and talking with you. The gratitude when you cross the line, um, the feeling you have for the sport, the love, the community, that aspect it's it's uh, it's very apparent. 
and it's infectious and it's it's a wonderful trait uh, to share um, because it inspires people. And I just want to say thank you so much for coming on because I'm damn proud of you. Um, we're just getting to know each other. I'm just so impressed with what you've been able to accomplish in such a, a pretty short period of time of racing. Obviously, running's been in your blood, in your DNA for a, a long time, and you've got a lot more development to go. But I'm just, uh, I'm so damn proud of what you've done, and I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. And I'm so excited to see how you do in Atlanta, and 100%. We'll have you back on and you'll come back and talk to everybody about how it all went down in Atlanta and just share what that experience was like for you. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks for having me on. Yep. It was a pleasure to meet you. Yep. Yeah. Great stuff. Well, that's all from us from Seattle. So just want to say to everybody, thank you so much for tuning in and peace out. And always remember to stay in the fight. Wow. Casey, I am so grateful for you sitting down and sharing your story with me. So blessed I had the opportunity to fly out to Seattle and we could grab some miles together, share a quality meal together with your husband, Rob, and I had the opportunity to learn more about you and your beautiful family. Your story is just amazing, it's remarkable, and without a doubt, it's going to inspire a ton of people, particularly moms who are stay-at-home caregivers, that are trying to figure out a way to exercise, stay healthy, and manage the myriad of events that get thrown at them at young ages of children's lives, between school and pickups and play dates and drop-offs and all the things that get thrown in their direction. And also not leaving out any stay-at-home dads who could be in that role. Um, so anybody who is trying to manage time and handle that sort of stress wonderful lessons that Casey shared about giving yourself grace uh, to allow yourself to enjoy those moments when you're running, when you're training, and not feel guilty, not feel selfish. Sure, we're all still going to feel those feelings to some degree, but to learn how to accept it and give yourself grace so that you can truly enjoy what you're doing. And in the end of the day, I have no doubt that empowered her, not only as a mom, but made her a stronger runner. So kudos to you, Casey, for sharing that piece with us. I think it's beautiful stuff. And who isn't excited to follow her journey moving forward? You need a coach? How could you not be sending an email or figuring out a way to get a hold of Casey? I know one thing, I'd hire her. I want an Olympics trials qualifier as my coach, somebody who just goes out there and rocks a 243 in her second marathon. I'm raising my hand. Please coach me. So hit her up. In the show notes, uh, O'Leary Racing Team information will be there. Casey's information's there for Instagram, Facebook, web pages. All the information's there for you to know what to do. And I, for one, just cannot wait to see how she performs in Atlanta on that enormously big stage where she continues her buildup with Coach Brendan and gets even stronger and fitter and, most importantly, has a chance to run in front of her beautiful girls and her entire family. I think it's going to be an experience of a lifetime for her. And without a doubt, we're all rooting for her. So anybody out there who's had the chance to listen to this show, if you're inspired in any way after listening, please share it with your friends, post it, share it on Instagram stories, Facebook, whatever medium or social channel you have out there. Let others know about Casey's powerful story. 
because I think it's going to inspire lots of people. And if anyone also feels inclined to write a review, as people have been continuing to do, which just warms the bottom of my heart and means everything to me, it just really helps new listeners find the Run Chats podcast. So I just want to say amazing stuff, Casey. We're so proud of what you're doing, not only me, but everybody on the O'Leary Racing Team who runs for Coach Brendan and is part of that program. We hope you pick up lots of new clients as a coach. We hope you get fitter than ever and absolutely crush Atlanta. And I cannot wait to have you back on the show to tell us all about it. So that's all from me. Just want to say thank you so much for listening. Thank you for the positive reviews. Thank you for sharing the podcast stories on my channel. And I just want to say peace out, everyone. And always remember to stay in the fight. <laughs>